0: You know, the perfect client for me is is really any individual organization who has really any type of real estate requirement that they that they need or that they have. You know, whether you know big or small, we handle it all.
1: And as a caveat to that, uh, Corey and Logan and I are all sitting in a building that you sold to us. So that's right. That's
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> and put tenants in. So yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. yeah. And help yeah. fill up. Yep. yep. Exactly.
0: Welcome to Invest for the Win where we discuss strategies to win at the game of private investing. Whether you're a novice or a seasoned investor, tune in to hear experts break down complex topics and reveal emerging trends in private investing. Head over to investforthewin.com to find links to these episodes and additional content. Position yourself to invest for the win. Hosted by the founders of FTW Investments, Logan Freeman, Corey Tuck, and Parker Webb.
1: Today, we have Nick Suarez, an office commercial real estate expert with New Mark Zimmer in Kansas City. We will be talking about how Nick became an expert office broker, trends in the office market, and what landlords and investors need to know about cutting deals in today's environment. As a caveat, Nick was also my first mentor in real estate, and it's exciting to have him on the show. Nick, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Parker. Happy to be here. Awesome, man. So I want to start with just kind of a little bit of your your background and kind of how you got into this space. So provide a brief overview of you and who you are, but tell us through your eyes, you know, how did you get to Kansas city and and why you got into office real estate?
0: Yep. Um, so I I actually grew up in Omaha, um, and, uh, came down, and went to Rockhurst university, which is a small, uh, Jesuit university here in Kansas city. And, um, my, uh, the summer before my senior year of college, uh, my brother's best—I'm the youngest of five kids—and my brother's best friend was working for a small boutique uh, tenant representation firm in Chicago, and so um, I, I kind of looked at him as a that, that particular guy as a kind of a second brother to me, and uh, spent a lot of time with him, and and he kind of got me interested in you know potentially getting into real estate. And um, so uh, that summer, he offered me an internship position with with his firm. And so I uh, lived on uh, a friend's couch in Chicago the summer for my senior year, worked every day with him. Um, he kind of showed me the ropes on, uh, on what it means to, to be a, a broker and, and showed me how to make my first cold call, even though I had uh, zero idea what I was talking about or what I was doing. He still made me pick up the phone and and start dialing. So, um, so that's kind of where I got my first taste of the business, if you will. Uh, and then, um, so I finished that, came back to Rockhurst, uh, my senior year. And then, um, uh, I reached out to Mark Long who, uh, at at Newmark Zimmer, uh, who, uh, at that time led the broker's division really still does um, and reached out to him to see if he had any internships. And um, luckily he, or no, excuse me, at the time he did not, but I kept on following up with him. And then my second semester, my senior year, an internship opened up. uh, So I came to work under a guy named Gary O'Dell. um, Who's a great guy. He's no longer a broker, but uh, just an amazing guy. So I worked under him um, for, second semester of my senior year and then once i graduated um i got offered a a a, you know full-time position uh with zimmer and uh so i've been doing it ever since so june 15th of 2008 uh i think was my 15th or 16th was my first day as a as a true real estate professional if you will so uh getting into the business in, in 2008 was was a challenging time but it was um uh it was a great time to learn so yeah, that's kind of how I got into it and have been doing it ever since it's all it's all I really know at this point so
1: <laughs> it's you know very interesting story I mean it's kind of the same way that I got into yeah. real estate right I mean Mark came to UMKC yeah. and met him followed up and as Mark would say, our pleasant persistence ended up with you know us us heading there. in that direction.
0: I remember Parker um, Mark got back from that meeting or that whatever some presentation whatever it was at UMKC, and he came and grabbed me. He's like, Hey, this kid came up to me after the thing. Uh, we need to reach out to him and see if he'll come work for us. It uh, turns out, you know, as soon as you graduated, you Did you intern or did you just yeah. break to, okay. So you interned and then we hired, yeah, same deal. So it all worked out. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, but office, office real estate, I mean, it's a grind. I think people, yeah. I don't yeah. think people understand the grind that it is. Um, yeah. I mean, when, we, when I started, you know, I think, one of the first things you you said was like, you know here's your list we built lists together and then it was hundred cold calls a day right I mean it's just cold yeah. call machine falling yeah. up learning it was cool about about that too was you know just having so many experts like you guys in the office that I would I would just listen up and say what are they saying on calls yeah. you know how did they do that and it was it was so fun to be able to learn yeah uh, in that environment yeah um but you know uh, I obviously did not stay in in the office space, right? I mean, I we uh, my career pivoted, and you know, kind of doing a, a number of different things. But I'm I'm no longer in office leasing or office brokerage, and um, you know, for my own reasons. But what what continues to keep you interested in in that space or that niche of yeah. of real estate? Yeah.
0: Um, well, um, I guess first you you really need to focus, right? Like if you're if you're in traditional brokerage, um, you've got to learn your craft and learn the market and learn who the players are, learn the, who the, the businesses are, they're involved in it. Um, and so it's, it's really important to, to focus on that. Um, but you know, what keeps me interested, I think it's just every day is different. You know, everything there's, um, every deal's different. There's always something different to do each day that you come into the office and start working. Right. Um, you know, whether it's, Uh, It's helping, um, you know, a client figure out, you know, where they want to be, what their employees want, uh, what the right deal looks like, uh, how they should be thinking through their their space planning. You know, there's so many different um, uh, kind of sectors of our industry sector that it kind of keeps you on your toes, right? So, um, you know, every day is different. It's it's challenging, right? I mean, it's 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 always hard to make deals, um, but it's fun, right? Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, I, I honestly I can't imagine um doing anything else at this point because uh, you know, you get to meet so many people and you're exposed to so many different um uh organizations and in and parts of the city and in different deal types that it just uh um it's a it's a fun business to be in for sure.
1: One thing that you know, I saw at Zimmer was just the role that mentorship played, yeah. and the role that you know having mentors that I had, and and having mentors like you and and Mark, and just everybody in the office, you can learn something from. I mean, I, I assume that mentorship is still probably a, a part of that. Like you get to be a teacher every day, and I'm sure that's that's a passion of yours as well, because you continuously sign up to to mentor folks.
0: No doubt, and that's I think that's what kind of separates our firm from a lot of others. Is that you know we're not going to bring on a new person regardless of their age, but we're not gonna bring on a new person unless there's a senior person that is that is there to spend the time to help that person learn the business. Um, you know, before you pick up the phone and start, uh, you know, cold calling or, or trying to, to win business, like you need to learn uh, to, to some extent what you're talking about and learn the market. Um, and, and having a, a good mentor there uh, to show you the ropes and, and go to meetings with and hear them talk and how they present themselves and, and handle themselves and, and uh, mm-hmm. handle deals uh, is, is critical. Um, and I mentioned, we kind of three of the rules and certain main calls, but there, there was a lot more to that before we did okay. that, we, we helped you, uh, helped you along the way and helped you get started. But um, it, uh, I think if you don't have somebody that is, uh, is there to share the experience with you, you're kind of set up to fail right uh, it's a really hard business it takes so long to get started and start making any money that uh, it can be really frustrating and um, <coughs> discouraging to to people uh, and so if you've got that support system there to help you on a daily basis um, it, it just uh, it sets you apart um, and I, it doesn't stop either right I mean I I sit ten feet away from mark and just about every single day I'm going to him to ask a question or bounce an idea off. And like, it doesn't stop, right? You're, you're always learning and, and, and always coming across new issues, right? That you're not totally sure how to handle. So having a support system around you to help, um, work through things is, uh, is critical. You know, we, um, uh, Parker, you, we did this when you were here, but, uh, you know, every Tuesday morning, our entire Uh, All the younger people are in office, the brokers get together and it's just, we call it a training session where we go around the room, we talk about issues we're dealing with, ideas we've come up with, you know, lease clauses that we may not, you know, know how to handle or whatever. And it's just an opportunity for all of us to sit around a table, talk through things, um, you know, learn different about different subjects. So that we're able to to you know um share those ideas and thoughts with our clients. I think it just it it really adds um it helps provide a better level of service to our to our clients and and potential clients. So
1: that Tuesday morning meeting is the only 730 AM meeting I've ever looked forward to.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. But,
1: but no, you're we'll right. Go. I mean we uh what was great was, I mean, before what I was interning and even when I had just started, I mean, we, you and Mark and, and everybody would take me along to meetings and, and it was a little bit of like, Hey, sit here and don't talk and just listen. And when you, yeah. when we leave, ask me all the questions that you have and I'll get you answers. And that was just, it was such a, I think, powerful way to learn the business yeah. I think that Cultures is, is really powerful. At yeah, no doubt. Um, Well, thank you. And we are going to kind of talk a little bit about uh, now kind of what, what area that you're specializing in, and, and kind of how you've gone about kind of building your career? So, I mean, you're involved in all kinds of transactions, you know, investment sales, owner-occupied sales, leasing on the landlord side, the tenant side, yeah. um, all that. Um, you know, a recent business journal article touted some very uh, high-profile clients of yours that you've had, you know, now and in the past. And and I want to know what is uh, what's really the ideal client, you know, that you serve, or, or ideal number of clients? What is kind of the the avatar of a client that you that you think you best serve, or how you best serve them?
0: Yeah. Um, well, like you said, we I, I kind of have like a wide range of of uh, services, if you will. Um, just you know, being in the business now for I don't know 13 or so years, I've, I've been exposed to a lot of different stuff. But um, I would say in any given year, um, probably 65 percent to 70 percent of my business is is helping represent tenants or land, uh, tenants or buyers, and the other portion which has really started to grow the last few years um, is, would be spent representing uh, landlords or uh, uh, sellers of buildings, right? Um, So I have a pretty good exposure to to both sides, but um, you know, my perfect, I would love to say, you know, somebody who's looking to buy a, you know, a billion dollar deal (laughs) or lease a million square feet, that'd be my perfect client, but those don't come around very often. Forever, but um, you know, I would say, you know, the perfect client for me is is really any individual organization um, who has really any type of, of uh, real estate requirement that they that they need or that they have. Um, you know, whether you know big or small, we handle it all. Um, and if if I can't or have don't have the time to uh, assist that group, uh, somebody in my office does. But individually, um, I would say uh, any any type of space user or uh, property owner on the office side is generally right in my wheelhouse. Uh, Like I said, big or small, we don't discriminate. Um, We we, we just want to help people get whatever issue they have or whatever need they have figured out. Uh, And we can generally handle any type of requirement. So Um, I'd love to say I only work on, you know, monster deals, but that's not the case at all. Um, uh, we do a lot of deals of all different sizes and, uh, you know, and we're just, we're just happy to help people. You know, the whale
1: deals can make the year, but the smaller deals keep the lights on, right? I mean, it's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yep. And and as a caveat to that, uh, Corey and Logan and I are all sitting in a building that you sold to us. So, (laughs) yeah,
0: and put tenants in. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. And help fill up.
1: Yep, Yep. exactly. So um, you do, you have uh, a couple, you know, niches that you've served a lot of and, you know, broad requirements, obviously, but you have served a number of like people, whether it be medical or engineering firms or, um, you know, there's some uniqueness there. And as you kind of look at some of your your client base, whether it be engineering or medical, I mean, what is, what are some of the things, what are some of the ways you have to approach like an engineering tenant versus a medical tenant or something like that and how they, they have their requirements.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it, uh, every deal is different. Right. And I think um, it all starts with like fully understanding what the goals and objectives are for um, a particular client, you know, regardless of the industry, uh, whether it, are they driven by cost, um, Are they trying to to grow? Are they trying to shrink? Are they trying to, uh, created an environment that they want to use to help attract talent. Um, you know, I think uh, based on all that is how we put together a game plan of solving a client's needs. Um, right now, you know, on the tenant side, a lot of the conversations we're having with tenants are about, um, you know, we don't really see people um, uh, trying to take a step down, right? They, they want, if they're going to make a move now, in most cases, they're looking to upgrade in the quality of their space, the quality of their location. Um, so right now, it's actually, you know, uh, it's, it's fun, right? I mean, helping people create this, this different environment that helps them um, mm-hmm. create a culture. Uh, that, that's, I think that's, that's the most fun part of our business is helping companies craft that, that, uh, you know, that ideal space. Um, you know, I'd say on the, on the landlord side, when I'm representing landlords, it's a different, it's a, it's a totally different deal. Cause we're trying to help that landlord, you know, maybe meet a certain threshold for, for their, their investment. Uh, so we got to get really creative on how, uh, you know, to kind of maneuver, construction costs and rent to make sure that ed- all the pieces are kind of falling into place. Um, you know, I, like I said, every every deal is different in our game plan for assisting clients, whether it's tenants or landlords is, is really different depending on the wants and needs and goals, objectives of, of that particular client. So I, hopefully I answered that question. Yeah,
1: I think it's perfect.
0: perfect unique experience for each group. and I think that's,
1: that's important. I want to talk a little bit more about methodology before we get into talking a little about the office market, but, um, and I'd love for Logan to chime in here too, because, you know, he's, he's got his chops as a, as a broker as well. And, mm-hmm. and we all know that it's a competitive business, right? I mean, there's, yeah. there's competitive business. There's lots of folks who are very qualified who are, are doing this job and you've got to, you got to stay ahead of the competition. So what are some of the things that you think, uh, are required to stay ahead of your competition or what are some things that you're implementing on a, on a daily basis to yeah. you know, kind of stay cutting edge?
0: Yeah. Um, you've always got to be learning number one. Um, and I know you guys do this Logan. Mm-hmm. I know I've, I've talked to you uh, in the past about this, but you always got to be reading, listening to podcasts, um, mm-hmm. watching the news, like paying attention to what's going on around you. Right. Um, is, is critical. If you don't know what's going on within your City or, or whatever, like you're missing out, right? I mean, you're you're missing critical information that you need to be able to pass on to your to your client. Um, you know, another big thing that we preach is is going to conferences, getting out, learning from other people, stealing other people's ideas, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to recreate the wheel for for every deal, um, but learning best practices from industry leaders around the country. Uh, is critical and it's something that our companies preach for forever right um you know you, you have to you have to constantly be learning and picking up uh, new ideas uh, to help pass along to your tenants um you know one thing i i do and i, I uh, talk to very younger people about this all the time but um you know when you go out on tour whether it's the client or, or the tenant or, or showing a building you know pay attention to how other brokers or other uh influencers handle themselves how they re- respond to questions how they answer questions um, the material they're talking about you know pay attention and learn from every person that you're you come in contact with so that you're able to use that um, on your next meeting right um Absolutely. just all you always got to be learning um uh so that you can uh you know share that with your client in in help yourself become more successful. It's not always about, you know, coming up with these grand ideas on your own. There's nothing wrong with (laughs) stealing a good idea from somebody else.
2: I couldn't, I I have to chime in on that because uh, modeling is one of the most important things. I mean, it's similar to an in-person mentorship, right? And if you don't have those people around you, grab a book. You know, I've got plenty of them on my desk here and start to model those things, right? And um, that's really, really important. And it's important because there's people out there with more experience than you've got, and you need to start to kind of uh, bring those things into your own unique voice. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Yep. 100%. I mean, you have to, there's also so many ways you can learn about things. I mean, as an example, you know, real estate's largely been kind of a dinosaur of an industry. And only recently has it really kind of started to take up a lot of technology that's been in other industries. And so, you know, there's lots of ways that we can look outside of real estate even and pick up a lot of cues
0: mm-hmm. um, of what we need to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Are you still making the same number of cold calls that you once did?
0: Man, <laughs> no, I, uh, I wish I were like, honestly, <laughs> um, you know, there's something about being able to just like put your head down and bang the phones and knock it out. Um, and I still, I get a bigger rush out of getting a meet, finally getting a meeting with somebody that I've been chasing for, you know, several years. Like I get a bigger rush out of that, believe it or not, than actually closing a deal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, you've spent so much time and effort, um, trying to, um, uh, you know, convince somebody to, to, to really take your call or, you know, meet with you for 30 minutes that once you finally get that, it's like, I got it. You know, yep. um, that's the hard part is just getting to the, to, to, to the desk. Uh, to sit down with that person um, so no I, I I still do a lot of cold calling and uh, we still knock on doors but just with as you get busier it, it's hard to dedicate as much time um, as I once did you know when I was, when I was just getting started in the business um, but yeah I, I actually really enjoyed it I still do but I'm not able to, to to spend as much time doing that as I as I wish I could
1: <laughs> I'm sure a lot of those calls are a lot warmer these days too. Instead yeah. Of,
0: instead of yeah. Cold. That's the whole thing is, is trying to uh, change that cold call to a warm call. You know, it's a, it's a much easier, it's a much easier uh, call and they're more likely to take, you know, answer the phone than just a straight up uh, cold call, but it's part of the deal. All part of the experience. Absolutely. So let's
1: jump in and let's talk about the market. Yeah. Uh, you know, the office market's been, interesting place since yep. the pandemic. Um, but you, you started in 2008. So, you know, it's one of the tougher times and to get into real estate, you know, what did you, what did you learn then that has helped you now? And, and do you see any parallels between, you know, the world then versus the world today?
0: Yeah. Um, I'll say this, uh, getting in the business when I did, you know, kind of at the, the worst time in the history of real estate to get in the real estate business. <laughs> Uh, it was a great time to learn, right? Mm-hmm. It's a great time to pick up good habits. Great time to learn the business because uh, hopefully, you know, the market couldn't get any worse than than what it was, right? So if you're if you're doing the right things and and showing up to work every day with a positive attitude, um, you know, making the type of contacts you need to be making that you know, hopefully, if you you know, trust the process, right? When the market starts to come around, that you're in a good spot, right? So you can can sort of take advantage of all the groundwork that you laid um, in the in those down times. And I think the same could be said for uh, for what we're kind of still dealing with to some extent with COVID, right? Um, you know, I think, uh, as I said, the difference between 2008 and uh, 2020, the 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 kind of the the first part of COVID was that um, you know, really nothing was happening in um, in 2020, right? The first part of COVID, whereas 2008, things were still happening, but, you know, it was short-term extensions. Um, people were very unsure about what the future looked like. It's very similar to this, um, but the deals kind of stopped, right, for a certain period of time uh, during 2021. Uh, but it was still an opportunity for, uh, brokers and and advisors to um, to help, right? I mean, business owners were were dealing with all sorts of issues and questions, and you know, what's it, what's the world going to look like in a month or two months or two years? There there was so much uncertainty, where um, you know you just need to be advisor. There wasn't a deal there, but you needed to help, right? Whether it was uh, okay. talking people through the PPP process. Um, talking through, uh, you know, what uh, lease clause they have in their current lease that might be able to protect them from certain things. Like it was just really, you know, there was, there, there was definitely not a, any money or a deal to be made, but if you help your client or advise them through certain things, um, you know, be a resource for them, hopefully uh, they remember that. And, you know, as we come out of this thing and, and they they look to do other things, gonna they're gonna reach out to you and, and look for your help again. So I think it's it's all about doing the work necessary um to be a resource for your people or your clients. And then when things do come around, um, you know, you're in the right position or right spot to to help them with, with a future need and really execute and, and make a deal. Um, we we say but,
1: a similar thing with brokers that we work with, you know, on the investment side where we say like, if we could be there when the market's not easy to get a deal done and we can get a deal done, then, you know, the, when the market's great or whatever else I mean, brokers are going to call us and say, Hey, yeah. let's figure this deal um, out. Yep. No, I love it. Um, there a lot of trends happen, you know, you know, during that time too, right. We saw people trying to push towards work from home. We saw, you know, people maybe looking at how they view their office space a little bit differently than we had before, Uh, There's already some trends that were happening in in, in the office space or, or or untrends that were happening too, but what trends do you think COVID accelerated and, and, or created? And do you think any of those will be enduring like work from home or do you think they'll be short-lived?
0: Yeah. Yeah. um, I think the hybrid work environment is, is here to stay. Um, I don't think, it, the hybrid model is different for every organization, right? Mm-hmm. But in general, we think that the hybrid concept is, is not going to go anywhere. Um, I think businesses are are learning that in order to retain people and attract new people, that that a lot of people in the work that are in the work environment today are, are going to need some type of flexibility. That's that's what people want. Um what we've learned, though, is that generally speaking, if a uh, business owner requires their people to be in the office three days a week, it won't really change how much space they have for their for their uh, for their office. Right? They're not going to be able to shed a bunch of space if it reduces down beyond that. So, if people are in the office one or two days a week, we think that. That company could could potentially you know downsize right, but from a from an office use standpoint, if it's the three and two where they're in the office three days a week, two days it's, they're at home, uh, there won't be much change in in how much space they really take down. Um, so I'd say work from home is definitely, or excuse me, uh, the hybrid model is is definitely something that is going to uh, be around with us for a while. Um,
2: yeah, I also, can I can I ask you a question on that, please? Yep. So one of CoStar's kind of predictions for the office market is simply that tenants are reducing footprints. Okay. Uh, Meaning like they have a consolidation of their business into their most strategic locations. Yeah. Uh, So it's kind of got a flight to quality. Would you say that's kind of a part of that hybrid? So maybe they have three offices around the city are they, are you seeing that they're consolidating them into one more strategic location yeah. or are they, okay. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was curious about.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, And the flight to quality is, is huge right now. And I don't see that changing, right? I mean, they, the, the groups that are willing to, are downsizing. Um, oftentimes they're trying, the space that they downsize into, they're investing a ton of money into to make that space killer, right? right. They want to create if they're going to make their people go to a, uh, an office, they want their people to, to want to go to that, not someplace they have to go. So they're going to, they're going to spend more money on technology and amenities and and just creating a, for the most part, kind of a cool environment that that their people enjoy going to. So absolutely. That's a big thing. We don't think that's going anywhere. Um, you know, I, I'd say, uh, from a landlord perspective, perspective Parker um, in the short term the the night the best buildings are gonna far outpace the more cost effective I think long term as more people come back to the office I think there's certainly going to be a place for the more the, the cost the more cost effective buildings right but right now the the best buildings the most well located, uh, most amenitized buildings are crushing it. It's the yep. buildings that don't have anything, right. That's just kind of a place to go that seem to be struggling a little bit more.
1: Mm-hmm. But talk um, to me about
0: like the difference too, between say location
1: and quality of the asset, right? Cause I see, I see some nice class a office buildings that are in areas that, you know, are kind of off the beaten path. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know that 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 would have as much interest versus even if it was a kind of a class B building, but it was, you know, perfect location yeah. I mean what's what's kind of the better of the two or how um, does play
0: out? I would say lo- location and amenities versus like if you build a brand new building out in the middle of nowhere it, it's going to be tough right mm-hmm. but um, if you've got a well-located building uh, with great amenities they're going to have success and a, and a really good example of that in Kansas City is the Asperia campus uh, which was the, the former Sprint campus um, they probably had more success than just about anybody in bringing new tenants or or signing new leases through COVID. Um, And I've, I've toured it a number of times with tenants through COVID and my, I feel like people's attitude has changed to some extent about the park through COVID, right? They've got, I mean, they've got a a giant, basically a 24 hour fitness on campus. They've got outdoor uh, uh, meeting space, They've got awesome conference rooms that you can rent out. They've got a food court, which isn't open yet, but um, eventually it will. Um, and so they've got these things that em- uh, employers can help sell to their employees on why they might want to come back. Um, yep. So it's it's having these things, whether it's being in an area where you can walk to get a drink, right? The walkable amenities or on-site amenities that are a selling point and help create this um, this environment that you can't get at home. Right. Um, that's, that's what's those are the type of properties properties that are outpacing the properties that are just a place to go right now.
1: And what are those amenities too? I mean, so fitness, food and beverage, uh, maybe some indoor outdoor. What are there any other like newer amenity packages or, you know, amenities that are kind of,
0: we're, we're going to talk of people putting in pickleball courts, right? Pickleball is, like taking over the country, yeah. <laughs> but, but pickleball courts, um, uh, like you said, dining options, fitness centers, um, like soft seating areas where people can step out and have, um, uh, informal meetings. Um, location, obviously, is super important, but th- those are the kind of the main things technology, apps, um, you know, so you can see what's going on around you. Those are those are important right now, um. Do you think mixed use, use is
1: almost a, an amenity too to bring in some retail, you know, some restaurants? Yes, exactly. You know. Park,
0: I mean, Park Place is another perfect example of uh, of a building. It's a mixed use property. They've got all the all the restaurants and retail that you'd ever want, uh, and they they had a ton of success through COVID. Uh, I think they signed, shoot, I don't know, maybe three or four new deals in the last year at Park Place, and those are some of the higher rents in town, yeah. and. Uh, I mean, they did, they did more business than, than they had in the previous probably three or four years with New Deal. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think if you've got if you've got the amenities, it's well located, um, assuming it's the, the building's not a dog, you should be hopefully doing OK. So it, it reminds
2: me of what John Burns uh, talks about. He kind of coined the new term servant. So kind of uh, combining suburban and urban. And it's it is mixed use. I mean, that commercial real estate guys call it mixed use. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think the the old Sprint campus has been able to create that feeling. Right. I mean, there's plenty of apartments and houses around there already. But if you can just get outside and walk and go to different places and then you go back up to your work and maybe you even live on campus. You know, I mean, that's a big attraction, I think, for employers. To say, hey, come live, work, and play, you know, well, that one in Leewood, you know, um, really? in Kansas City. Um, and you can do all of that right here. Like, the, the term is you don't need a car during the week, but you need one during the weekend. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the thought process. And I I think that they've they've captured that feeling in that area really, really well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Parker and I had the opportunity way back in 19 to, to go explore um, Apple's campus in Cupertino. I, I don't know how to explain that experience. I just don't. Um, it was like a spaceship, a city, mm-hmm. and an office building all in one. I don't And maybe don't know the what,
1: best sushi I've ever had in my life, and I've been to On town. campus? So,
2: yeah, On campus. No it kidding. was But they had these walking trails around. They had bikes everywhere. They had an outdoor amphitheater. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And that is a place people want to go, yeah. right? And I think that's really important
0: uh, when we're thinking about the office space. Yeah. I think the important thing too, is like um, it's not just new properties. Um, like I said, with sprint, you know, that thing was built in the early two thousands and yeah. it's kind of having like a resurgence. And I, I, I think I, I can see the same thing happening with other uh, older properties, like a crown center, right. They've got all the amenities you could ever want. Um, mm-hmm. and It's downtown. Like we're seeing good activity there. Mm-hmm. So it's not just necessarily the newest shiniest it's it's, It's the buildings that um, offer the best experience. I love that. Buildings
1: that offer the best experience. And Crown Center, I mean, there's a lot of office space that, you know, you can put some good TI dollars in and make some incredible spaces and have great amenities. Yep. Um, So when when we think about that, when you look at the kind of the marketplace generally, and as investors, when we look at the office market today, I mean, one of the things that people don't or kind of take for granted is having actual data on how deals get made uh, for office deals, right? I mean, there's, the concessions that happen, like there's all the, the, the soft parts of the negotiation that, you know, don't get published in star And if they do, someone probably lied about what it was anyways. Um, but what, what are you seeing as far as when deals are getting struck? What are the concessions? What are the TIs look like? What are the yeah. What's the lease terms looking like? I mean, wh- how's the market playing out right now?
0: Yeah, um, that's a great question. I would say right now, um, deals are really expensive. So you know, the, just the way construction costs have gone, your dollar just isn't going as, as further as you would have liked or it would have gone, you know, three or four years ago. And so it's really expensive to get deals done because, um, you know, you've got to provide a, a large TI allowance. Um, uh, free rent has gone up. More landlords are willing to offer free rent uh, in addition to TIs, but they're, they're holding the rental rates, which is good, right? We haven't seen a huge crash in rental rates, but most landlords have been willing to offer more tenant improvement packages uh, and free rent. Um, I would also say, you know, landlords are getting pretty creative in how they're putting deals together and, and bringing new tenants in. Uh, we've seen a couple of examples of this recently where um, a tenant has you know, multiple years left on their lease. But a landlord is will a new landlord is willing to uh, take over that remaining lease obligation in order to get their tenant in, right? Um, so you know you don't necessarily see that or hear about that when you're uh, you know potentially looking at a deal, but you know effectively a landlord's eating the cost of some other tenant, there some other space that a tenant's leasing in order to get them in. Um, with that, it's getting you know a lo- much longer lease, right? Um, you can't really do that if you're only signing a three or five-year deal. You need a much longer, you know, a seven or 10-year deal. And for most tenants who are willing to make a significant move and invest in a space, we're seeing their, their, their length of lease term is starting to, 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 to creep up and get pretty long. So that's exciting. Um, I think the bottom line is, I know I mentioned this earlier, but um, most tenants that are moving right now are generally moving with the idea that they're trying to upgrade their experience. You know, they're not moving to save a ton of money. They're moving to create this better experience for their employees. And they're willing to spend the money to do it. It may be a little bit smaller than they previously had, but they're willing to spend more money to, to make their employees happy and create a a better working environment. Um, that, that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Uh, but again, back to the initial question, you know, the, it's just expensive. Like TIs are crazy. Um, uh, There's more free rent. And so it just gets, it gets expensive to, to make deals right now. Absolutely. That's good to know. Logan, we, uh, we have some predictions
1: that we wanted to look at. I know you had some ideas here that you wanted to to bring up with Nick. Do you want to jump into some, some predictions about the market?
2: Yeah, the first one was around those kind of you know reducing footprints in the flight to quality, right? And I think we're we've already kind of you know captured that one. Um, and the second piece being, I would love for you to talk through leasing activity because yes. yeah, so CoStar obviously um, put these predictions out and, and said you know leasing activity has steadily improved back in 2021, returning to pre-pandemic levels in the summer after five consecutive quarters of demand losses, net absorption finally turned positive in the third quarter and sublease activity declined for the first time in 2019. So I'm curious to see and hear from you if we're seeing that um, here in our market and your thoughts yeah. around, around that.
0: Yeah. So um, our market's different. Um, we have not seen um, I think at the end of last year, I think there was maybe 300,000 square feet more sublease space in the market than same time in 2020. So we still start, we're still seeing, you know, these big sublease spaces and, and that's what it is. I'd say the majority of our, of the sublease that are on the market are some of these massive spaces. And a lot of time it's like call centers. Mm. What we learned through COVID is that um, uh, depending on what industry that call center serves, a lot of those jobs can be done at home, right? Wow. Um, and so the, the the majority of the big subleases that are available are big former call center spaces. I, I walked through a space last week um, here in town and the company had never moved into it. I mean, it's brand new. All the furniture set up. All the finishes are brand new. There's not a stain on the carpet. They never moved into it. It's, wow. it's, just a, it's just a cube farm right mm-hmm. um so we aren't we aren't seeing that trend yet in Canada. i wish we were but we're not seeing the same trend that they are maybe sure. nationwide also from a net absorption um we're still seeing negative net absorption i think in the last year i think where we had, it's like a total of like 1.3 yep. million square feet so we haven't seen that um part of that has to do with some some big spaces that were um subleases that have, have worn off. And so that space came back on the market. So we're going to continue to see that for a while, but I will say leasing activity is, is okay. Um, you know, Johnson County, uh, there's a lot going on. Um, I think if you talk to people, you know, the owners along college Boulevard, their is good. Um, so we are, we are seeing, Uh, certainly an uptick in in deals getting done and people out moving around and looking to make, make deals, which is, is exciting. Um, You know, downtown, um, uh, specifically in the crossroads, we never saw a, a stop in activity, even through COVID. Um, uh, John Hofer and I, who's another uh, office broker uh, with me who kind of specializes down in that, in that area. um, I think in the, between, uh, first quarter of twenty or twenty nineteen, excuse me, first quarter of twenty twenty through first quarter of twenty twenty one I think we did eleven new leases in the crossroads. Hmm. Um, I mean, the space is tight. people, if you're in an area where people want to be, there's still a lot going on. you know what I mean? it's so it's the uh, the areas where that have the areas that the submarkets that have always struggled continue to struggle to some extent but, but in the, in the most vibrant areas and most active areas, the activity is good.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they, they quote this was there's a lot of optimism just because of the swift labor market recovery and office using employment uh, being expected to recover all the jobs lost during the recession by early 2022 and be 2% higher. So I, you know, I think it's just affecting different markets in different timings and um, but, but I mean, I've been touring some, some interesting spaces as well. Um, this comes into the third, uh, the, the, the third trend here that I wanted to kind of talk about was um, are, you know, even though tenants or, you know, have this space, their people may not be coming in, but they're scared or worried to not have that lease, right? Because yeah. you just, you know, and so I think that's another thing. And another prediction is, is kind of thinking through, um, you know, who the users are, where the property is, and you know how hard it might be for somebody to actually go move their space. You know, I mean, um, that was one of these things that that co-star was kind of talking about. Was you know, yes, there's going to be a hybrid kind of scenario, um, but they are going to have all of their employees um, in the office on certain days. And so, yeah. if you are going to do that. How do you do that? You, you have to kind of keep your space. And, you know, I think people are more demanding of more space uh, right now as well. So that was kind of the third prediction that they had they had talked through here.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's kind of like we talked about earlier with that three and two formula, where if you get up your people in the space three days a week, you can't it, it's really yeah. hard to shed any. So um, I, I agree with that.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't think it, you know, removing your space is not real conducive to, uh, making it easy for people to come in on, on a hybrid uh, model, and I I can speak to this from my sister who worked at Barkley and my wife that works at VML. You know, they're not requiring you to come in um, every single day, but the space is available, and yeah. uh, many people are utilizing it. And I and I also I'm not going to make any prediction around you know um, COVID-19 but it does seem like people at least here in Kansas City are you know being more willing to get out and network and do all the things I mean I think that's uh, another thing to watch this year as well yeah Um, yeah so
0: and look I got another good example for you um, kind of along those lines Um, I'm working with a tech company uh, who is we're in the process of of working through a lease here in the or in the downtown area actually And they've given their people total uh, autonomy to either work from home or work in the office. Yep. However, this company is is tripling the size of their space, regardless of that they're allowing their people to work from home. They're tripling the size of their space and creating this amazing uh, tricked out space so that their people want to go to it. Yeah. They want their people mm-hmm. that are sitting at home to have FOMO, right? You're mm-hmm. missing out on what's happening in that office. You know, the, the, the creativity that they're create, the collaboration, the camaraderie, all of that. Um, so regardless of their people yep. are working at home or in the office, they're going to create an environment that attracts people and they're going to be trying to hire a bunch of people and they're, they're going to use it as a selling point. So um, you know, that's just one example of, of, kind of what you're talking about where yeah. you know they need to write pl- a, a place to go for people when they want to go somewhere.
2: Yeah. And I think for investors like ourselves, you you just have to do more research and more due diligence on who are the businesses, what is their work from home model right now, right? I mean, you sure. just have to understand what they're going to require their employees to do. And there are still opportunities out there yeah. 100%. And I will say specifically uh, where we have seen the opportunities is um, tenants that have medium, you know, medium sized businesses to small, um, you know, businesses, they just don't have the infrastructure in regards to online training and the way that their business had been run. It's not a tech company, maybe, you Mm -hmm. know, and and they need to be in the office to really, um, you know, have that collaboration and uh, creativity. And so I Mm think it's more now than ever, you just have to even be Uh, more prudent and diligent in understanding who the businesses are, what the space attracts, where it's located. And then you can target those types of, um, you know, subsets of tenants. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense to me. Just putting one blanket statement over and saying, hey, I'll never, you know, buy or invest in an office deal just makes no sense to me. And I love to hear that. I mean, Parker just mentioned this earlier. We love to hear that because there are absolutely opportunities in the space um that really do make a lot of sense but they may take more time up the front on the front end just to understand uh the mechanics and the structure of the tenants that are in the business and in the building
1: Mm -hmm. i think people are uh not taking into consideration too even if you have the the space right is that people actually don't want to share their space They don't want to share their desks so like the hoteling model that's right while it's popular for some like I don't want to share my space or my desk. I want to leave my desk how it was. I want to come back to it as it was. I don't care if I'm in the office three days a week or five days a week. I don't want to share my space. And I think a lot of people feel that same way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, I think the hoteling model works. You know, if you've got somebody that is on the road, you know, 90% of the time and they pop into different offices and they just need a place to set up their, their laptop, right. For a couple hours, once a month, but uh, for you know, more regular, uh, folks are in the office on a more regular basis. It, it's a tough, it's a tough deal. I, I wouldn't want to, it's just me, but I, I wouldn't want to share all my stuff. And, um, you know, you've got a certain way of, of how you think things like, like things laid out and, um, we're all a little OCD. More yeah, exactly.
1: so, yeah. And I think, you know, the other part too, is when I had, uh, I mean, I I learned this business by sitting in a a bullpen, listening to other people on the phones and, you know, and then talking to them and and running up and all the conversations that you have that are kind of by happenstance, by being in the same room as somebody, you miss out on that. And I think for younger people, especially being in the office is really important.
0: Agreed. Yeah. It's a great place to learn. We talk about mentors, um, loyalty too. you know, for employees, like it's hard to keep employees loyal if you've never seen them in person you know what i mean so there's a lot of challenges with the work from home uh environment
2: yeah i think there's trends that were
0: already happening pre-covid
2: that were exacerbated mm-hmm. and then there were you know new trends what i have heard most experts and um most really experienced people they're less focused on the new trends and more focus on the ones that were already happening and how did COVID happen? You know, happen to uh, manipulate that or exacerbate that? And um, just saying that there's a new trend that is going to happen from, from, uh, from, from this. We who's got that crystal ball? Nobody does. Yeah. And so yeah. um, I'm not bullish on that at all. I'm, I am, you know, thinking about things that happened beforehand and this made it either better or worse, but, you know, just saying that this is a new thing that's going to happen because of this, that's a bold statement and there is no data to back that up.
0: Yeah. I mean, a good example of that. um, When we first started, when when COVID first started, um, I I remember seeing, you know, presentations about how, um, you know, we're going to see all this like plexiglass going up in offices to separate people and offices would be, you could only walk one way around the office. And they're gonna be designing spaces like that from here on out. Like, that stopped. Yeah, um, I haven't. I haven't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, been in one meeting where you know we talked about adding uh, plexiglass or sneeze guards around offices. Yeah. Uh, to prevent the-
1: so, so we shouldn't go buy a whole bunch of plexiglass features. No, not right now. Like <laughs> that. That ship is sailed. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, thank you, Nick. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks, Nick. That's a great uh, overview of the market. I mean, what I want to know more about too is is kind of the the legacy that you're you're building in real estate and how and how you're building it. And so, what inspires you? First, why you know why do you do what you do? And what, and what story are you trying
0: to create for your career that you want to be enduring? Yeah, um, you know, I think. Um, I, I don't I don't really care to be remembered for doing, you know, like monster deals or um, I mean, I'd love to do those eventually, but I don't want to remember, you know, for, you know, I did this headquarters deal or that deal. Like I just I want people to, uh, you know, think of me as as somebody who worked really hard, um, really cared about his clients, uh, treated everybody Absolutely, um, fairly and with, uh, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of kindness and compassion and is somebody that, that people just enjoyed being around. I mean, honestly, that's, I think if I, if I keep all those things in mind every day, uh, about treating people the right way and, and doing business the right way, I think everything's going to fall into place. Um, and maybe some of those big deals will, will come around because of that. But but that's all I that's all I really uh, want people to think of me, you know, 30 years from now, that I was a good dude who worked hard and uh, and cared about people. That uh, that's what really matters to me at this point.
1: Love the humility of that.
0: And uh, I think if you're doing all those things, Nick, you're gonna have a pretty pretty solid legacy. Yeah. Um, if
1: you weren't in real
0: estate, what would you do? Yeah, Um, I I would say uh, either some other form of of sales or something in in sports or or coaching. Um, uh, You know, I think with coaching and sports, um, I just think about the people that had a really big impact on me and it was usually my coaches, right? Um, Whether it was, you know, on the field or off the field, I think you can have a huge impact on young young people that they can carry those experiences and lessons through their entire life because it happened to me um I, I have you know the relationships i've built through sports whether it was my teammates or coaches um they are going to last forever and uh you know i just think you can really uh, make a big impression on a young person's life um through coaching and athletics and that sort of thing. So that, I think that would be, um, something that, you know, if I wasn't in sales or real estate that I, I may have pursued at some point, um, just cause I think you can, uh, can really make a difference in people's lives that way. Well, I know you're a great coach.
1: You did it for me. So is there <laughs> anything else that we didn't cover that you want to cover?
0: Uh, no. Um, I got one. Let's make some deals. Oh, go ahead. I got one.
2: All right. Nick, we get asked a lot about how, how do you build a relationship with a top broker like yourself? You know, could you just give a couple sentence, you know, question about that? And I mean, we have our own thoughts and ideas, but really curious to hear your feedback on that and how people have, you know, built relationships with you, um, and, and how those have been successful.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's the same, uh, for how I would build a relationship with, with anybody else. Right. It's all about getting to know them and providing, um, uh, you know, for me, for me, when I'm, when I'm reaching out to somebody, I want to reach out, uh, and provide some value to them. Right. Um, you know, if somebody, uh, you know, so we get, we get, um, uh, we meet with, you know, contractors and attorneys and architects and engineers and, uh, bankers, you know, all the time. Right. And, um, the, the people that I have become closest with are are the folks that, that reach out to me most regularly, uh, you know, have a legit interest in, in what I'm doing and, and want to hear what's going on in my life and, and business, uh, you know, the, the business dealings I'm in and, and, I'm just having a genuine interest in that, in that sort of thing. I think that's kind of where you'd start. Um, but it all starts with a phone call or an email, right? Um, I think that's the, the best way to start. Um, I know I mentioned this earlier, but get out and, uh, and get involved, go to go to networking events and go to industry events. that's That's where I've met a lot of people. Is, is just getting out in the community and getting involved and going to different things because there, there's no better place to, to meet uh, people who may be in an in, in industry that you want to be in than, than going to their environment. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: One of my best friends in the world makes a banker that you introduced me to, you know, yeah. and uh, it's just kind of reaching out and be, being able to share war stories and all that, yeah. that we have being in the trenches that is a great way to connect. Yeah, no doubt. Awesome. Well, if anybody who's listening to this wants to find you and find out more about you and what you do, how would
0: they uh, get a hold of you? Uh, email. Uh, I don't know if you share emails on this, but uh, email, telephone call. You can find us on our website. You can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find and I'd, I'd love to hear from you and uh, would be happy to help um, in any way we can. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. With Newmark Zimmer in Kansas
1: City. Thank you for your time and insights. I know our listeners will find this valuable. I know we definitely did.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nick.
1: See you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Invest for the Win. If you found this episode valuable, please take a moment to share it with a friend you think could benefit from the insights of our experts. Also, don't forget to take a moment to leave us a rating and review. Visit investforthewin.com to learn more.